After a firefight, they killed Welcome to Forecast Roundtable, Forecast International's podcast on worldwide defense and aerospace markets. This is Matthew Beers with Forecast International. I'm here with Dan Darling, International Military Markets Analyst who covers Europe for us. Today we'll be discussing the European defense environment. Dan, uh, Europe has long been seen as a declining defense environment since the end of the Cold War. Is that a misconception or have they retained an emphasis on maintaining broad military capabilities? Well, they've been downsizing their capacity for decades now. Um, Originally, the, the reductions were a natural extension of the end of the Cold War. They no right. longer faced a large conventional threat, pure competitor on their borders. Uh, the Warsaw Pact countries that were kind of the pawns for the Soviet Union against the United States, quote-unquote, pawns in Western Europe, right. were no longer under the Russian orbit. Right. They wanted to move into the West. They wanted to become part of NATO. They okay. wanted to join the, the burgeoning European Union. And right. so their large conscript armies were undergoing downsizing and equipment retooling right. with the larger... Um, full-spectrum militaries of Western Europe. We're talking the United Kingdom, France, countries that always would punch above their weight and were not right. afraid to deploy externally in support of national interests. Right. Those countries, while they maintain strong military spending levels, right. they were also pruning force structures. Right. And so you had this, what the, was the Cold War dividend. Right. And by 9-11, those forces had greatly shrunk. These weren't the European participants in Gulf War I anymore. They could right. not deploy that much mass. Um, so after 9-11, the focus was on uh, modularity, flexibility, maximizing your limited resources with uh, flexible forces that could rapidly deploy. Right. And then the recession came, the, the right. global financial crisis. And at that point, defense budgets were looked at as an immediate right. source of uh, revenue savings, yeah. or I'm sorry, expenditure savings. Right. And efficiencies were demanded of ministries of defense across the continent. And once again, you saw force structure shrinking more and more. And the natural result was you had countries such as the Czech Republic that were never large defense spenders in the post-Cold War environment to begin with. They were down to bare-bones forces. They were essentially constabulatory, excuse me, forces and skeleton police forces and capacity and capability were limited at that point. 
Right. And so the knock-on effect, it has been much reduced capability. However, they, in turn, have invested in high-end platforms, countries like France, Germany, Britain with F-35, the Eurofighter, the Rafale, and advanced submarine programs. So it hasn't been a complete um, decay. It's been a deterioration, but on... The, from the vantage point of the Europeans, who are we looking to fight? Are we looking to fight right. uh, the Taliban, um, Al-Qaeda, Islamic elements in Africa, you know, right. African brush fire wars with Rafales and Eurofighters? Right. Uh, so, it, it, you know, the high-end, while they were still investing in high-end tools, they did not need um, massive armor-heavy conscript armies anymore. They were right. no longer territorial defense forces. Right. Um, and that's, that's changed a little bit now, right? It is reversing back to a sense of homeland security in the right. case of uh, Poland being an example, a country that was always willing to deploy in support of U.S.-led missions. Right. That was a, a foreign policy approach where we are we are going to tether ourselves to the United States. Right. It'll make us more secure at home and give us more diplomatic heft uh, on an international and within the European Union and right. NATO level. Right. Um, but with Iraq wound down and right. Afghanistan, the military mission wound down. Right. There isn't that need anymore. Conversely, a country like Germany still wants to increase its um, deployability heft, but uh, they're not there yet. So so it's a mix and match. Some countries, uh, the countries to the east are definitely more territorial defense focused. Right, and that makes sense. In in light of Russia since about 2008. Not that they ever forgot historical enmity and um, concerns of Russian uh, revanchism, but there was always, the United States is our great security guarantor, and our value comes in doing, in filling niche roles uh, that aren't you know, the glamorous roles, the combat fighting, it's less that than, um, you know, nuclear, biological, chemical um, defense or or, uh, diving teams, anything tertiary to to hard-edge combat capability. We we have increased a little bit of our combat capability, though, right? I think the the problem in Europe isn't, isn't, is less combat capability than sustainability, which right. um, we can get into more um, as we go on here. But uh, right. it, it's it's one thing to deploy troops for ninety days; it's not another thing to sustain them in conflict right. for right. longer than six months, which becomes right. more expensive. Um, in, in terms of that, uh, af- after the recession here, they're they're kind of getting out of it. The United States is definitely out of the recession, um, Europe is is what's somewhat still struggling, or are they okay? They're 
growing. The Eurozone's growing once again. I think it is. we've seen the knock-on effects, which we expected in the aftermath of Brexit. Right. It's been immediate, but it hasn't been catastrophic. Uh, Europe, the combined EU 28 countries grew at about 2% last year, okay. which for Europe is spectacular. Right. Um, it's better than 0%. It, 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 you're right. <laughs> I mean, now, granted, that's some countries that don't use the euro currency, but right. um, nonetheless, they're all European Union members. Right. Growth was was pretty good by European standards last year. This is, okay. For the most part, it's been a low-growth continent okay. for a while. And now. so with that, that low growth, um, where does the European defense market stand now? It's definitely growing again. It's growing. Um, as a percentage of overall EU expenditures, it's right. still very small. We're looking at about 24 2.5% of combined state expenditures going towards defense. Right. That's, it comes to about... 1.25% of GDP spent on defense. Right. So it sounds the, the very, NATO standard. Right. So yeah. it sounds very low and it is by the the metrics of the United States or China or uh, a micro defense country right. like Singapore which or Israel, both of which spend disproportionately on defense because they are so small and right. vulnerable. Um, Europe also has many large economies, such as Germany, France, right. and the UK, and so therefore 1.25% is still a, can be a significant amount of money. Um, right. Japan would be yeah. another example. They pretty much don't go over 1%, but their defense budget is still one of the 10 largest in the world. Right. So if you have a strong economy, 1.25% can buy you a lot. It's how you right. spend it. So. Um, in terms of the countries you're talking about, Eastern Europe versus Western Europe, mm-hmm. um, what countries do you think have shown the, the greatest increases in the defense investment over the past several years? Well, ever since the NATO summit in Wales in September 2014, that right. was where everybody got together and said, we need to once and for all reverse the decline in our defense budget levels. They right. just plummeted. It was a double-dip recession, and defense was one of the first areas to be cut. Of course. Right. And so after that declaration, uh, the summit declaration of, of returning to increased defense expenditures, or at least stopping the bleeding, so to speak, right. you saw the countries in the newer NATO nations, your right. Baltic nations, your Central European countries like the Czech Republic, Bulgaria, Romania, Poland, begin to reverse the slide and do so, for instance, Bulgaria got a a broad political consensus. Um, Still, on the macro scale, very small. Their budget is very small and they're a poor country, but what they were trying to do is build broad consensus to reverse this and to show NATO that we are serious about defense, that we are right. not just, um, you know, a rent seeker right. in the security alliance. So you saw these countries reverse course and right. begin to invest more and more in defense. And then the issues in Crimea, 
and right. Ukraine of with, with right. Russia, that's always going to trigger um, trauma inside Poland and particularly the Baltic nations. I was about to say the Baltic yeah. nations, Central Europe, Eastern Europe. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. these are countries with historical memories, not just of the Soviet Union, but czarist Russia. Right. And the Baltics, which were essentially Soviet republics during right, uh, right. the Cold War, immediately um, in, reinvested in defense. Uh, right. countries like East, a country like Estonia was starting to do that prior to 2014 because right. their economy had bottomed out. They had gotten their deficit under control, right. and they were financially sound, and their economy was beginning to grow again. But regardless, what of of concurrent defense budget growth with economic growth, right. the Baltic nations had made a statement, we are going to invest more and more in defense. And right. you saw significant leaps in Latvia and Lithuania and Estonia, sometimes is over 30% year-on-year increases. Right. Now, that's, of course, a very micro market and starting from right. a very low base. But, but together, n- I mean, that's, that's a right. significant increase. Nonetheless, exactly, it's a significant increase, and as they pool capabilities and invest in infrastructure for rotating NATO contingents, allied contingents to um, deploy on their territory, it it strengthens them, for sure. Poland has been a, since about about 2011-ish, They've been a pretty strong defense investor. They have a broad military modernization. So right. they're going um, naval ground elements really? and helicopters and air defense missile systems across the board. Um, it's a very broad military modernization. And by about 2022, they will definitely be one of the more advanced militaries, stronger militaries in Europe. Is there any reason beyond, um, you know, the threat of Russia trying to, you know, show NATO that they're putting their fair share in? Is there anything beyond those, the reason that some of these countries are increasing their military spending? I think in, in cases like, for instance, Spain, it's just, it's, it's and, or Italy, it's bottomed out. How right. much more can you cut? Right. And um, <laughs> you're either seeing equipment atrophy, capabilities atrophy or right. be lost, or just a lack of new material coming in. Right. And it, you combine those two and you have less capability. And right. again, as we've talked about, the capacities of these militaries are definitely down. Um, right. And with the thinking that newer technologies can more than compensate for right. the loss of X number of personnel, sometimes true, sometimes right. not. Right. It just depends <laughs> on what warfighting scenario you foresee. Right, which is highly unpredictable. Right. Yeah. So um, it, it's definitely a case of uh, for the countries in the East, it's a Russia element that's right. that's triggering this return to higher defense investment. I think in, in a country like France, which is battling its own deficit debt concerns right. and very low growth. Um, and different different security priorities than absolutely, European countries. Absolutely. And, and still United Nations 
um, Security Council member, a right. vote there, still has diplomatic heft in the world, right. still clings to we are a great nation, great power mindset, right. and is without a doubt willing to deploy in defense of its interests, right. particularly former colonial interests. They've right. um, they've kept defense spending high and maintained it. Right. There was talk that they might shrink their budget a year or two ago, and then we've seen with the Charlie Hebdo right. and the Bataclan terrorist attacks, right. internal security is now on high alert and right. increasing. So President Hollande has kept defense spending at, at base level and is talking about increasing it again in, in right. 2017. So that the the migrant issues, right. the the threat of spillover from right. theaters like Syria and Libya, mm-hmm. be it terrorist attacks, uh, large migration inflows, um, and what will fill the void in those countries that would require Europe to go in and try to restore some form of stability and democratic rule um, of friendly governments will all, they're all spurring higher growth levels in Europe. But again, after years of downsizing defense, we're looking at returning to base levels of nominally about 2008. Yeah. So while the market is growing again, if you look at some of these countries and you look at what they were spending, um, right. you know, eight years ago, right. we're just getting back to that. Well, that was uh, Dan Darling. I'm Matthew Beers. Uh, thank you for joining us at Forecast Roundtable. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Forecast Roundtable. For more information on international aerospace and defense markets, visit www.forecastinternational.com. Thank you.